welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers hang on at Madison Square Garden against the Yukon Huskies 57 to 54 in a game that you know no one is going to write stories about and talk about how pretty it was or how high the quality of basketball was, but coming on the heels of Indiana's lifeless performance against Wisconsin where there was no fight and no grit. Tonight, that is certainly one thing that you can say about the Hoosiers. They brought the fight, they brought the grit, and they brought the toughness, and that eventually allowed them to hold on in this game, as I said, 57-54. to 54. Uh, A tough, hard-fought win for the Hoosiers that they really needed. This moves Indiana to 9-1, and one, gives Indiana a non-conference win away from home. Uh, we all know the importance of that. So, you know, lots of warts. We're going to talk about them all, but at the end of the day, it's a really important win for Indiana uh, that we can feel good about. Again, not because of the quality of play, but because of how hard and how together uh, the team had to play to get it. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And for the banner moment, we're going to about 25 seconds left. Rob Finnessy, back tonight. No one was really sure if he was going to be able to play tonight, but we got word before the game he would be available come off the bench, not a full allotment of minutes, but boy, did he make an impact when he was in there. And, you know, we'll talk about the work that he did in the first half because it was huge and bring Indiana back from an early deficit. But there he was at the end of the game, hadn't played for a long stretch, but came in with about a minute left, got a couple of huge rebounds for Indiana, none bigger than the one uh, on the offensive end uh, after Indiana missed a shot. About 25 seconds left. He hustles to get a tough rebound, gets fouled, makes both of the free throws. It put Indiana up 56-51, to 51, uh, which really ended up being the deciding points uh, for the Hoosiers as they hold on for the 57-54 victory. But, you know, right along with that, what he did at the end of the game, it was so important what he did at the beginning of the game. Indiana off to a bad start, down 15-6 to six at the 12-minute mark. Rob came in and immediately made his presence felt. On the first possession, got another rebound. This was a big impact that he had tonight on the glass. Then he went coast-to-coast coast for the layup. That made it 15-8. to eight. Kind of got things going again for Indiana, and then immediately drew a foul on the next possession. Then had a great post-feed to Duran. Duran scored. That made it 15-10. to 10. He just settled things down. And that, to me, is the theme of this game. It's the importance of having Rob back out there. He settled things down. When Indiana needed a boost at the beginning of the game because things weren't going well, Rob settled them down. When they needed someone to come in and close things out, Rob was there to do it. We talked all offseason about how he was maybe not the best player on the team, maybe not the most talented, but certainly the most important player on the team. And we saw that tonight in his limited minutes. Indiana does not win this game without him. They might not even be close without him, given the importance of what he did there in the first half. So huge minutes from Rob Finnessy. And if he can now get back and be healthy and be a guy who can start getting that, you know, that minute allotment up and play more consistently, it is going to have such a huge impact for this Indiana team. Okay, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and that remains based in Indianapolis. And look, you've probably gone to homefieldapparel.com by now. I certainly hope so. If you haven't, you need to make sure that you do because their items are incredible. First of all, they're comfortable. Even after you wash them, they maintain that incredible, incredibly comfortable feeling, whether it's a T-shirt, whether it's a sweatshirt. And they're unique. They have logos that you cannot find anyplace else. And plus, our friends at Homefield Apparel, they're just prescient. They had the nine Windiana shirt before the season even started. And now the Hoosiers going to a bowl game looking for that ninth win. And 
they've got timely shirts too. As earlier today, or I guess yesterday, depending on uh, when you're listening to this, uh, even live, since it's uh, after midnight on the East Coast when this game ended, they put out some new special edition Christian Watford shirts to celebrate uh, the anniversary of the Watt shot. So, so many different items that you can choose from there, from Home Field Apparel, which is why you should go there, look for Christmas gifts, stuff for yourself. They've got it all there. And because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20, that's ASSEMBLY20 at checkout, to get 20% off your entire order. Again, ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Coach, we will start with you. It is Tonsoni time. Your opening thoughts on this Indiana victory. Uh, sometimes you got to grind out victories, uh, despite how you play. And, and that's a sign of, of a team growing and, and maturing. Uh, you, you never draw it up as a coach to be, you know, that kind of game where you shoot, uh, you know, under 30% in the second half and, uh, under 40% for the game and, and defensively have some issues, but it is a win. It's a win on a neutral court. It's a, it's a win against a team that's, uh, has been playing okay. And I think that obviously is a lot better than coming out with a loss on a game like this today. I thought a lot of the play for most of the time was was not very good. Uh, but again, you'll have games like that. And defense is what carries you. And I think the defense was good enough tonight to keep Indiana in the game, force some turnovers, and stop UConn from uh, having any big runs. And, and so it's overall a positive uh, with a lot of things that need to be fixed. Yep. Okay. Ryan, your rant on tonight's IU victory. You're muted. Sorry. Which is glorious. I I hate having to tell you that you're muted. (laughs) Uh, I I have to, I have to own one. I was really hard on Joey Bronk in the first half. I think we all were, we have a private, you know, we're text messaging each other during the game and Joey Bronk had a really bad first half. And I thought the opening to the second half, he was pretty bad too. He just couldn't keep with his guy defensively. He got a bunch of shots blocked right at the rim. Uh, where he was just kind of throwing it up instead of you know finishing strong or getting fouled or anything like that. Um, but Indiana doesn't win this game without Joey Brunk's contribution late in the second half, where he scored seven points in a row for the Hoosiers, I believe. I know it was five in a row at one point. Yep. Um, so kudos to Joey for turning it around. I still think he's got a lot to work on. I still think that um, there are a lot of issues on defense when it comes to him guarding out on the perimeter and, and trying to help out on the perimeter that, that turn things negative for the defense every time he does it. Uh, but I thought that in the second half, he really stepped up. I thought his defense on Carlton was was much better in the second half. Once he got a couple buckets to go in, you could see the intensity went up for for Joey, and he was more focused, and he was tougher, and uh, he wasn't letting guys sl- swoop in for rebounds or any of that. He, he really toughened up late in that second half, and again, without him, Indiana doesn't win this game. So kudos to Joey. I, I will own it. I was, I was livid on Twitter, and uh, I, I wrote, I, I had to take a mea culpa on, on Twitter a little bit later to say, hey, good for him for sticking with it because it was clear he, he knew he wasn't having a good game in the first half, and he sat for a lot of it because of it. But also, the last thing I want to say is I want to echo what you said, Jared. Uh, Rob Finnessy changes this team. I mean, it takes it from a team that is lost to a team that knows what it's doing on both ends of the floor. He's your best on-ball defender. Adding him to the mix lets Al Durham slide over to the second best defender and Devontae Green slides to another guy and it just makes everything easier for everyone else. And then on offense, he knows what he's doing. He's in possession of the ball. When he has it, he's not giving it up. His only turnover tonight was when he drove to the lane and thought somebody was in the corner. It wasn't a bad pass. It's just the guy he thought was in the corner had cut 
and he couldn't see it because there was a whole mess of guys between him and, and, and the ball. It was actually a good thought. It just the guy had already cut to the basket because he thought Rob was going to lay it up. So that was his one turnover. And when you have a guy who is in possession of the ball, who doesn't turn it over and doesn't have a tendency to turn over, unlike some other guys on this team, that changes the calculus of, of what this team can be. And, and he was so valuable coming back, hit all four of his free throws, um, all those late rebounds you talked about. I mean, he was just a stud. And, and that's what you get with Rob Finnessy, and that's what this team has been missing. And it was when, we, when, when you texted and said that Rob was available, we were all just like, yes, finally. Like, we're going to get to see what this team can be. And we saw... I, Amazing. And, and so he honestly is, he was the player of the game for me. I know we're not doing game balls yet, but it just was so obvious that this team is so much better when he's on the floor. Yeah, no question. And look, you know, you brought up Brunk and yeah, that's nice of you to kind of offer the mea culpa, but you were right. (laughs) And everybody kind of saw that in the first half, you know, coach, and you talked about this on the halftime report, you know, the team overall did not play well in the first half, you know, despite leading. But I thought Joey Bronk and Al Durham in particular really had bad halves on both ends. And, you know, so to me, it seemed obvious in the second half, you know, with what had worked in the first half where they had played small, you know, with Trace at the five, you know, and, and with Rob and with Armand out there, because I thought Armand was outstanding in the first half. I thought it was obvious. You cannot go back to Alan Joey in the second half. You've got momentum built. And... Look, I, I still maintain that I would have liked to see a change in the second half to maintain the momentum because I think it was a huge missed opportunity by Indiana at the start of the second half and UConn you know, kind of chipped away. But credit to Joey and Al, coach, because when things really got bad there in the second half and you know, UConn, you know, they eventually tied it at one point you know, and Indiana went without scoring for eight minutes, Joey and Al scored, I think, 12 straight points. You know, so for those guys to keep their heads in the game and really in the first half where they didn't bring the toughness that was required mentally and physically for this game, they really did bring it in the second half. And so I tip my cap to those guys for coming back and being a huge part of why Indiana won this game, even though they struggled in the first half. That's good to see from those two guys because they've been struggling for a little bit. But for Indiana to to win away from home, you've got to have your upperclassmen playing. That's what they didn't have in the first half. I thought in the second half, you know, Justin was better. I thought, and, and, and in particular, Al and Joey were a lot better. So... You know, I think we were all right about them in the first half, but hat tip to those guys for really bouncing back in the second half and providing some big plays. Absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of people uh, in the chat, a lot of people are disappointed with the coaching staff as well, and, and I get that. And I, I even said something at the halftime report, but the changes at halftime are interesting because not only do you look at X's and O's, but you got to know your team and you got to know it's, it's a psychology degree sometimes to be a head coach in a basketball program. Uh, there are times when you need to make changes at halftime to send a signal or to, to do something different. And then there are times where, you know what, you feel like making a change, but is it the really the right change at this time? And here's what happened. Uh, he put those guys back in. I'm sure he challenged them at halftime and they end up later in the game making big plays if they had to sit and and get a butt chewing and lose time you never know how you know we all think that those guys should just take it and be ready to come in at the 11 minute mark but but when you have that um sudden change uh, it sometimes can backfire on you and you lose that that ability to bring them back in it, it it's never easy i, I too was I've been clamoring for the small lineup. I still like it. I'll talk about that later on. 
but Archie knows his team a lot better than all of us know, know his team. He's in there at the grind every day and he knows what button, what buttons to push and what, which one's not. And he chose not to do the, the changing of the lineup. And I think it paid off because those points were huge and, and they made big dividends and they were paid big dividends and they were mentally in the game. And I think that has to be uh, uh, given to, to coach Miller to, to understand that, even though a lot of us were calling, uh, for a change. Well, and there were obviously opportunities to get the ball down on the block and score. I mean, you know, you saw Joey got opportunities that he missed. Deron Davis, you know, to a certain extent, Deron looked a lot better tonight because I thought, I mean, he got the ball on the block. He was assertive, like he made some strong moves, but man, he's got to finish those. I think everybody probably had flashbacks to the Arkansas game when he missed those two bunnies. And that was really a big sequence. It was 38-33 that could have made it 40 to 33. Duran misses those two bunnies. They go the other way and get an and one and it really tightens up the game. So it seems clear that the coaching staff saw that they could get some work done on the block and maybe trace at this point just isn't quite ready to be that focal point as your post guy, you know, more better, you know, in, in, in an area where he can focus on offensive rebounds and cutting and that kind of thing. Um, so they saw it and they stuck with it and it finally paid off for Joey, you know, which was, which was obviously nice to see. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the small lineup, though, because to me, that was one of the other revelations from the first half is, you know, the game definitely turned when Rob got in there. And that's unquestionable. But it also seemed to turn when, you know, Ryan, when, when Archie finally put Duran on the bench, put Joey on the bench, put Trace at the five. And, you know, you had race in there to at, at one time, although he didn't play a ton. He only played four minutes. But I was, you know, Jerome was really active on defense today. Demisi was really good on defense. And that's what turned the game is defensively, Indiana was awful to start. And they really got better once they went small. And that seemed to kind of help get the offense going too. And so, you know, I know we kind of went into this season talking about this, you know, the Twin Towers thing. And, you know, we're going to be playing these two big guys. And again, obviously, you know, Brunk did important work in the second half. But... I, you know, I think the most impressive stretch of play Indiana had was when that group was playing in the first half. And I have to think that's something we're going to see more moving forward. Yeah. And, and look, I, I've been clamoring for more race Thompson. I thought the four minutes, he was only in there for four minutes. I thought they played their best defense when he was in there. And, um, you know, it, he's, an, he's an interesting fit because do you put him next to trace, put trace at the five, do you put race down on the, on the bigger guy and put, let, let trace kind of play a little, uh, more out, side of the block i mean it's it's an interesting combination there uh, but i thought that that he was fantastic when he was in there i thought jerome hit a hit a huge shot an absolutely huge fadeaway jumper in the lane when nothing was working for indiana you're just kind of like oh yeah that's the guy he can be um he's kind of struggled with his shot lately but I really think that that we we all know that ability exists, and uh, and then Demizi had a had a turnaround jumper that I think all of us were or had a jumper that all of us were kind of like eh, oh sure yeah we'll take that um, when it went in but you know those guys are earning equity they really are by by playing big minutes in these games and and look Hunter down the stretch was in with the big lineup when when the team made its run late and it may not be have been directly because of him but he was on the floor when they when they made the run to take the lead and and did archie forget about trace because why on earth no, is trace not playing I, I i honestly think it was one of those things where this is working we're sticking with it you know what i mean i i honestly think that's what it was is these guys are all matched up with their guys they're playing defense and we're scoring points 
I'm not going to mess with this. And and that seemed like that's what he it's was not doing. Like and we then, were extending the lead, though. I know. But but you know what? They had staunched the bleeding that they had when Trace was on the floor. And I'm not saying it was because of Trace. It was whatever lineup was on the floor was not playing well. They switched it out All and right. they just went with the lineup that was, you know, I, look, there was about it was from about six minutes left till about one minute left until they changed people yeah. out. And in that stretch, Indiana did take the lead and stretch it out to, I think, about five, four or five points. And you know what? Honestly, if things are going well and you're the coach, it's hard to reason. Let's change it up. I mean, everyone wants Trace to be in there, obviously. But in that situation, Brunk caught a little bit of fire and he was playing good defense. And then uh, Hunter was in there with the, with that team and was playing pretty good defense. And, you know, they had to respect his ability on the perimeter and things like that. So it sort of changed things for that team. Fantasy was on the bench, too, for most of that. And it's, See, I thought that might have been because of a minutes restriction, but then it they might put have been. him out there to close it. it. It might have been, but you could also do, you know, bring him in for two minutes and then or a minute and then the stop. Well, I hope it was know. a minutes restriction, because if not, there's no excuse to not have Rob Fantasy on hey, the court. Down I, the I agree with so. you, and they got him in late. And, they and, did. They and, did. And here's what I'll say is that, it was working and you don't mess with what's working. And and it, it may not have been your ideal lineup on the floor. It may not have been the guys you necessarily want to, you know, go to war with in every key situation, but it was working and it wound up working and they won. So you kind of got to hang with it. Um, you know, Brunk only played 19 minutes and a lot of them were in a row late. Um, and then, you know, Jackson Davis would probably have been over 30, but he wound up with about 28 minutes. So uh, again, it was working and they went with it and they kept rolling with it. Yeah. Coach. You look like you want to jump in on that one. No, I, that was an interesting call late, and, and and I was wondering where those guys were at. But, you know, Ryan's right. You get a feel as a coach. And, and, you know, when it's going well, yeah, okay, I want these two guys in there, but this lineup is do, is stretching it out a little bit. Can you get an extra 15 seconds? Can you get an extra possession with, with those guys? You start playing those games, and you hope that it doesn't come back to second-guess you on the post-game show from the three guys on assembly call. Um, Please, Archie, don't ever worry about that. <laughs> but oh, you don't worry about it. But you know that it would show up here. Um, but you do, as a coach, can you get an extra extra minutes out, out of this uh, while, while they're hot? That, that does play into, into your mind as a coach on substitutions. I would just say apply that logic to your second half starters. But hey, you know, look, he, he, look. Here's the thing. Same. I I think look, this is an impressive victory for a lot of the reasons that we said. But you know, a lot went wrong still tonight. Like, and and obviously, you know, we want to talk about that. I just, you know, to me, you look at that down the stretch. It worked in this in this particular case. So we can all kind of go home happy. I'm just trying to look at it more from a process than a result. And there were some things in terms of sure. the process that to me I question and I wonder, you know, if if just a couple shots go a little bit different, I think we're here questioning those things. And so I don't, uh, you know, I guess I I just want to try and be consistent with that logic. Well, here's here's what I'll say. If that was the end of the first half, I think I agree with you. But in the end of the game, it doesn't matter. You're just trying to win the game. And whatever is going on that can help you win the game and you think is working. I mean, it, and it can be a small thing as just like, wow, we randomly kind of backed into some good matchups for us right now. These aren't the guys I'd choose, but they're matched up really well or, or, or they're playing specifically very well right now on their cover. You know, that's kind of, you just roll with it when it's winning time. And, and, and I agree with you. I want to see trace Jackson Davis out there. And I was questioning it too. I wanted trace out there. I wanted Vinici out there. Heck at one point I wanted Reese Thompson to get back into the game in the second half, because I just thought that, 
he helped give us the best chance to win his activity. Are you ever not painting pining for race Thompson to get on? No, the because the guy is so underrated. He's a, when he's in there, the team plays better defense and look what tonight showed is that when Indiana plays good defense, it can beat teams. It just, they yeah. just have to play good defense. It, it, they will score enough to win games. Okay. 57 points tonight. I know we've been up in the, you know, in the, in the eighties early in the year, but we all knew that wasn't where this team's going to eat. This team is going to, it's going to stay in the 55 to like 75 range at max. And it's, it's about the defense defense and getting to the free throw line. You do those two things and this team is going to win. And yeah, I think that they need to focus on having their best defensive lineup out there, which is why I was so harsh on Joey Brunk, especially in the first half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 57-54 victory over UConn, we will talk about tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. And there's a lot of important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater, a full-court dribble, and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up? And, of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's three-point victory over UConn as the Hoosiers move to 9-1 and one and get an all-important win away from home. Guys, it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and you know, so many of them in a game like this. You know, Ryan, you you hit on one earlier that I really wanted to mention, which is at the eight-minute mark, it's 38-38, to 38, and Jerome Hunter got the ball in the post, hit a turnaround jumper. It was Indiana's first bucket in eight minutes. And again, you know, and, and we saw it's the same, you know, turnaround jumper. We saw Hoosier hysteria. I think we've seen it one time before. You, you see, and your turnaround jumpers. Hey, look, all, all I know is there are certain times Jerome gets the ball and makes a move, and it's like, man, that guy's a basketball player. No, he looks fluid. And, and those be- moments have beautiful. been few and far between, but we saw it. It's like he wasn't thinking. And he, you know, he just made a basketball move and it was great. And then he goes right down to punctuate it on the other end and got a block shot. And I thought his defensive activity tonight was really Way good with better. the minutes, with the minutes that he was in there. And he kind of got that fire in his eyes look after the turnaround jumper. I don't know if you saw like the next possession. He's like calling for the ball and they didn't get it over to him. I'm telling you, he's gonna bust out offensively one of these games. It kind of like Brunk did tonight, where he just scores like seven, nine straight points. That's gonna happen for him. And I, it's I, all about I, him getting really, that confidence. It is, and and it looks slowly but surely. He and Demizi, it looks like they're getting that confidence, and it's really, really encouraging to see. So, you know, look, we all, I think everybody still kind of hyper focuses on Jerome. So that's probably a moment that everybody saw and everybody loved. But I still, you know, look, I, I, two really important things that I was thinking about coming into this game, coach, are. You know, for this team to get to the next level and win some of these games, you got to get Rob back and you got to get Jerome being a consistent guy off the bench. Those two guys totally changed the ceiling of this team. We saw it tonight. And that, to me, really are the two most encouraging things I take out of it. Yeah, you know, you got to get your talent out on, on the floor. And it's hard sometimes because all of the guys are talented, but you're uber-talented 
uh, athletes need to be. Rob needs to be there, obviously. But, uh, I mean, Jerome did a nice job right after that play getting a block in the lane, I believe, uh, helping someone who got beat off off the bounce. And he was locked in defensively all night, as, as was said. Uh, you know, and we said it at halftime. When those two get back to full strength, whatever, when Jerome understands the college game and can play a little bit more minutes, Indiana is – just so much better. And I think you saw that in, in the moments that Jerome played tonight. And I think that segment, I, I wrote it down. Uh, I think that was, that was a huge moment um, to, to, you know, stop the momentum from going to UConn side and, and turning it back to where Indiana can manage uh, to pull out a victory. You know, another guy that I thought was really important in the first half run, and, you know, I think it's easy when you have a game that's down to the wire like this in the second half to focus on the plays at the end of the second half, but I thought the game was won for Indiana with their stretch in the first half. You know, when they really played that great defense, you know, turned a nine-point deficit, or maybe it was even an 11-point deficit at one point, uh, you know, into the five, six-point halftime lead. But, you know, Ryan, I thought Armand Franklin did a lot of really good things in the first half. And there was one play in particular. He was guarding James Booknight, a guy that Indiana recruited. Uh, and they basically ran him off a couple of screens to try and get him an open shot uh, at the top at the top of the key. And Armand saw it, went under both of the screens, and yep. met James Booknight as soon as he caught the ball. Did not yep. give him an inch. And it was just a really – number one, it was a heady play. And number two, it was a difficult – play to make physically like it took quickness it took the right mm -hmm. angle it took long and arms awareness. to be there yes awareness. and so that play to me just signified the maturity that he has and actually I expected him to play more in the second half he only played a couple of minutes you know he messed up a dribble handoff with uh I think that was with Rob um, it was a and, really and, bad time and score turnover it was it was really and, and you know and look I'm not I'm not going to quibble with he's him a freshman not he's going to do that yeah. but I, but I thought in the first half Again, to me, when the game was really decided, he was out there for a lot of it. And I think when you start talking about what are Indiana's best defensive lineups, it's kind of hard to not include him in those. And, yeah, you know, already and as a freshman and plays like that, you know, really, that's where it really shines to me. Yeah. And he was on the floor for part of that 16 to 1 run where Indiana played as well as it has all year. And it just, it was defense. It was grinded out on offense, find holes. But that defense was fantastic, especially with as hot as UConn was early in getting balls to the paint and, and scoring and then hitting, you know, clutch threes, that 16 to one run, that was the best Indiana's played this year, I think. I mean, considering opponent, I mean, there, there have been times where against, you know, some of these bad opponents, they've just gone on ridiculous runs and hit threes and all that stuff. But that was the best grinded out. You can win in the Big Ten with that stretch, you know, all year. You can win in the Big Ten with that stretch. And it wasn't just about the other team not scoring and making bad decisions. It was about the fact that Indiana was forcing them to make bad decisions. Teams are going to hit shots sometimes when you're playing good defense. So the, don't focus on that 16 to 1 or whatever. It was the way they were playing. And then on offense, they had a purpose. They knew what they were doing. They were going inside. They were finding holes to the outside. They were driving. It was just a much more confident offense than we'd seen in the last couple games, I would say. Um, and, and especially in the, even in the second half against Florida State, at times it didn't look good. Um, but I thought Armand played pretty well in that first half of the second half. He looked a little kind of, it was almost like he came out of the, of the at halftime a little flat, and a few of the guys did. And, and it, uh, when he finally got on the floor, it just felt like it wasn't the same bounce that we saw in the first half. And that could have just been the flow of the game. It could have been the fact that these guys are playing on an NBA floor and in you know a historic and arena. Slipping left and right, man, dry right. off the floor. Uh, and on top of that, Good yeah, Al fell down. Al, Al fell down twice in the exact same spot. You know, it's like, come Jeez. on, guys. It, but I, I, you know, 
sometimes when you come out in that atmosphere playing again, it was a great crowd. Um, they were loud at times and, and UConn obviously has a ton of fans in, in New York city and as does Indiana. So, and you're, you're playing a historic arena. You're going to come out with all this adrenaline and jitters and you're going to turn the ball over a lot. And you saw guys shooting the ball well over the rim and it felt like, okay, that adrenaline wears off. Who's going to focus again in the second half. Both teams came out, you know, after that all had all worn off and now you're playing a basketball game in the second half. Both teams were just kind of flat footed and, you know, tired and, and all that because of all the energy they expended in the first half. So it was good to see Indiana kind of fight through that. And finally at about the, you know, eight minute, seven minute mark, really start to refocus and play again. Coach, any, uh, any sequences jump out to you that you want to mention? I know Ryan, you've got one. I do. Uh, I will say this, you know, um, there were some, there were lots of good plays called, uh, I think all except one after timeouts. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I'm going to mess up his name, but, uh, Tony and Tony Adranya. Yeah. yeah he, he was in a, a, a tweet, uh, conversation with someone who was, was making fun of his comment about, uh, after timeouts, but I, I thought, uh, and I think this is going to lead to Ryan's segment too, that after, so t- timeouts, Archie Miller did a great job tonight. And I think that's something been doing that it all season. Yep. Yeah. All it's, season. Been, it's missed. Sometimes we focus on the lineup and did he start this guy and did he play people at the end? Is that's the only decision that coaches make? Uh, I thought his uh, coming out of timeouts was excellent, at least in where the ball was supposed to go and trying to get, uh, get the actions that, that he wanted. And then uh, Ryan's going to share the, the biggest one. Um, but I thought Archie did a really good job of that all night long. And, and that's something that I thought was very, very important. Well, the sequence I'm talking about started at 4.32 and, and lasted until about 2.34. It was it was Al Durham had a great drive and layup. I mean, it was something we haven't seen from him for a while. And then he had another one where he got tackled and went and made a free throw. But then the out-of-bounds play, uh, they were up three, and they had an out-of-bounds play for, um, for Justin Smith. And it was a great sequence where they set a screen for one guy flashed him through the middle and UConn thought okay that's the middle flash. there's always a guy flashing down the middle uh, on, a, on a baseline out of bounds play and then they set a second screen for Justin to come right down the middle everybody was cleared out it was a perfect lob and a perfect finish and that's the kind of thing that that's stealing points you are stealing points there because you don't have to run an offensive set you get an easy two points right there and it's one position. I know you don't make the other the, the defense play a full 30 seconds of defense, but you're stealing points right there. It's a quick bucket, and and it doesn't put stress on your offense. It was fantastic. It was perfectly drawn up. And then they're up five at that point after that dunk, and then uh, UConn gets a free throw, and Al Durham with another tough drive down the lane. Uh, you banked it in, and that put Indiana up six with 234 left, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Now, it didn't exactly play out perfectly after that, but you're up six with 234 to go, and you're playing pretty good defense, you're going to win that game. But, by the way, wasn't, t- Hunter's, wasn't Hunter's play, I have it at the eight-minute mark, was that after a timeout as well when he ran into the post that we started this segment with? I think that was close to it maybe was, after. His bucket came at 8.02, but I don't know if that okay, was Okay, I don't know if it was Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think that one was, but maybe. But also. Um, it was our first bucket in seven minutes at that yeah, point. Maybe that's, <laughs> yeah, maybe um, there were a lot of curl action tonight too mm-hmm. uh, that Archie had designed, and and I think Devonte got a shot in the lane. There were a couple times when the ball was scored in the lane. There's different ways to get the ball in the lane, uh, and, and, and that was nice. I thought um, 
And I will say this, UConn has so much size and like they actually have size with shot blocking ability. I felt like Florida State had size, but wasn't blocking shots. They had so much size with shot blocking ability. It's hard to hit a guy, you know, have confidence throwing it right into the post or having hitting a hitting a guy curling into the post. I mean, because you see so many times that doesn't work. And uh, uh, Acock, I don't know how many shots he blocked. Was it five? Um, yeah, but like the first five minutes of the game. He wound up with five. He wound up. He wound up with five blocks. And and you know, Carlton was playing pretty good defense too. It's just when this is a team that look, Indiana is going to be better on the interior than most of the teams it faces this year, or at least bigger on the interior. As far as, you know, you look across the board, the, the fact that they won when they weren't attacking the paint as well as they should have, because they were worried about shot blockers and things like that, that that's impressive to me that they fought through that. Yeah. I'd like to thank Danny Hurley for a fouling a cock, a cock out in the first half when he only had two fouls. So he only played 13 minutes because that was a big stretch for Indiana. Yeah, it was. Uh, don't don't Put him take. When, don't take. We, oh, by the way, he finished with three fouls. So, good, and by good the move. way, he was plus nine on the night. They were clearly the better team when he was on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk numbers uh, and some. You know, some really really interesting oh, my numbers. Favorite segment. Uh, yeah, you can go go write about Garrett Cole or something. You I can. already <laughs> finished it. We're good. <laughs> uh, I think you know, coach. The number that's going to jump out to everybody is the points. Indiana had 11 players play, 10 of them scored, no one scored in double figures. And the guy who didn't score was Race Thompson, um, but everybody everybody else who played scored. So, you know, look, I don't think that this is necessarily a formula that's going to win you a lot of games, only getting 57 points, but, you know, it, it was a very balanced scoring game. And you look at the starting lineup, nine points, eight points, eight points, six points, nine points, and then you got six from Finnessy off the bench. So, I mean... The balance worked, and you know you did have some different segments where guys kind of took over. Um, but obviously, you would like to be a little bit more prolific than that. And part of that is Indiana only shot two of thirteen from downtown; really couldn't yeah. get the three point shooting going. And you know, only thirty six point eight percent overall. And a lot of that was you know just missing some shots inside. Joey Brunk only four for ten. Devon, uh, Deron Davis two for six, uh, and Devonte Green really struggled shooting the ball two for ten. And I thought tonight, Coach, in terms of shot selection, I probably questioned more of the shots that Devontae took tonight than I have in a lot of the previous games. You know, I thought, to me, this game was going to kind of go one of two ways for him. He's back home in New York. You know he wants to put on a show. He's either going to just go supernova like he did in the Big Ten tournament, or he's going to kind of press and struggle. And I thought he kind of pressed and struggled a little bit. And so... You know, that, and the when question I, comes, uh, is he better coming off the bench? He gets his first start, and he really doesn't play very well. Uh, I, I thought his shot selection was bad. I thought his his uh, passing was bad. Uh, I thought he struggled tonight. And, and was he trying to do too much because he was at home and, and start? You know, that's something that he'll have to answer and, and, and get get better at. But, yeah, I thought, I thought shot selection overall was very, very uh, poor uh, for the most part. Uh, obviously – uh, Justin Smith's dunk was probably the best shot selection choice uh, <laughs> the Hoosiers made all night. But uh, yeah, I, I said so at halftime. That was bad basketball, uh, and I'm not uh, I'm not trying to sugarcoat uh, the bad basketball. It was bad basketball. And shot selection was probably one of the things uh, I thought the handles were very loose as well. Um, yeah, that was for everybody all night. Both teams just seemed yeah, very loose. Ended up with only 13 turnovers, so that's not horrible. Uh, but I especially when the other team turns it over like 40 times, 22 yeah. times and v- Vital had seven. Yeah. That, um, so yeah, I, I just thought, um, 
the the execution overall offensively was just not even the even the passing across uh, around the perimeter. There's some plays that are almost tipped and should have been it was thrown, loose, including that last play, um, the the press inbound play from Justin Smith. Uh, the two transition plays in the first half where the balls were just thrown up without even seeing if there was a, a teammate looking for the pass. Uh, you know, that's uh, okay. So put it on the coach, put it on the players too. Uh, that loses credit, you games. Yeah, that does. But credit that they found a way defensively and, and gritty enough to, to get a W. Uh, when you play bad like that and win, uh, then, then the lessons come in the in the film room real quick and easy. Well, and you know, and also one one of the reasons they like this was an identity game, you know, because basically Indiana had to rely on the things that it wants to be about, right? Gritty defense, getting to the free throw line, because that's the other number to me that stands out is Indiana was thirteen of eighteen from the line. They made thirteen free throws. Connecticut only shot ten free throws. You know, Indiana got eleven offensive rebounds. Um, I think they they lost the rebounding margin to UConn, but really late in the game secured some huge rebounds. And I thought, you know, look, UConn, Ryan, obviously a lot of unforced turnovers. They were extremely loose with the ball, but I thought Indiana's defense also created some early. of those. Yeah, yeah, but 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 Indiana was just much more active. You know, you know, Joe Hunter getting steals, Devontae Green for all the warts tonight. I did think he was disruptive at times defensively, and that I thought really he played helped. really well defensively. Actually, I thought he played pretty well defensively. I yeah, agree with I, you offensively. I think, but I think that some of his shots were a result of nobody's doing anything. Let me go one on one. You know, I mean, and and when you're a guy like Devonte, who his whole thing is, hey, occasionally he's going to pop for thirty. That's going to happen sometimes. I mean, we know that, and we've seen that from. Him. Does it make it? You know, does it make? Is it okay for him to have that shot selection? No, but at the same time, you're going to have to live with that because that's who he is. And and you sometimes you'll get the Florida State game, and sometimes you'll get tonight. And it's uh, you know he makes two more of those jumpers that that rimmed out, and and it, we're looking at this a little differently because he's got ten points and he's four of ten. You know, it's a yeah. little it's a little different, uh, but that's going to happen with him. And you're going to have games where he goes oh of seven. Uh, but you're also going to get the 10 of 15 with a bunch of three-pointers like we got against Florida State. So it's a balance for him. I did like that he stayed in it defensively, though. Yes. He didn't take risks. And he only turned the ball over twice. Yes. He, you know, he wasn't throwing it all over the gym. He turned it over twice, and he played solid defense. And I, and I think that when and he And that's not something he's always done. No, you I know? agree. When he has a bad so, offensive game, you're going to see sometimes a lot of risk-taking on defense, a lot of you know reaching out for... Uh, for the ball, getting a cheap foul or just getting beaten. Um, I thought that he got beat a couple times on defense where I saw him recover really hard to get back and get in front of a guy or at least, you know, disrupt the shot. Uh, and so I thought that that his his being kind of in a bad, having a bad game with quotes around it didn't affect other people. You mentioned free throws. I want to mention another thing is that the free throws are 13 of 18. Three of those misses were late, too. You know, it didn't two of them by the, Devonte and Al, our two best friends. I know three of them. By I know, those guys. and it didn't affect the game. But you know, you're looking at if they make those, it's 16 of 18. You're looking pretty good as it was 72 percent. Hey, you know, I, and those, you know what? Those are guys you want on the line. 72 percent still gets a hallelujah after what we've seen. Oh yeah, but we could have been win. looking at you know 85, and, and it would have been an even better number. But um, yeah, so you know, you got to make those free throws. You got to do those things, but. You know, another thing I will say from the perimeter tonight with Devontae and, and Al and, you know, they were combined for one of eight from three, but they were shooting contested shots. There weren't a whole lot of open looks. They got a couple early and everybody was airmailing them early because of that adrenaline factor we talked about playing at MSG. 
Um, and after that, they just weren't getting open looks. I mean, Indiana, what, they were 0 of 7 in the third. And I think all of those were either forces at the end of the shot clock or contested shots. Yeah. UConn played some pretty solid defense they too, did. for the most part. And, and yeah. sometimes, you, you know, you go up against a force uh, with, with the shot blocking inside. They doubled a lot early, and then the shot blocking caused a lot of problems uh, for for Indiana's offense, and, and they had a little length. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Hurley does a nice job, um, and, and he's going to get that UConn program back. I, don't, I think we're obviously the better team at this point. Um, slightly after tonight but yeah no everybody uh, regards UConn's him as a really good was, coach yeah you know and we also re- you know, remember that against the top five ken palm team indiana scored 80 points uh just two or three games ago so this stuff goes up and down and ebbs and flows uh, a lot uh, based on practice time travel and all kinds of things N- never i always say this i'm not an excuse guy but there are reasons you know yeah, there are reasons why fair. things happen never an excuse not to play your best basketball every minute every game but there are reasons and, and reasonable people will see that I will say one last thing. I, I just want to say before we we sort of move on. You're really energized during the stats segment tonight. This is yeah, this it's all is stats different. for me tonight. I like man. it. No, what I want to say is is, and this is not just directly on stats, but you know, I think we're all looking at this through the lens of coming off of the win against Florida State, the loss against Wisconsin, and wondering which team is this. You know, which, what who who are we? And I will say that tonight we saw that anywhere on the road in the big 10, you can lay an egg and Maryland laid an egg at Penn state tonight and Penn state's tough place getting to be a tougher place to play. But it, I'm not saying that Indiana is undefeated, you know, is, is the undefeated team that ripped through Florida state looked, you know, phenomenal, all that stuff. But I I think we maybe did, you know, overreact a little to Wisconsin. You don't think so? No, because there are different layers of eggs. We were down by 30 at one point, and it was basically a non-competitive no-show. Maryland lost by seven and actually won the second half. Like, they battled back. So, look, yes, you can have bad games on the road. That's what I'm saying. That was different. It was like the Minnesota game again. I don't think it was unwarranted to overreact. And it remains concerning that this team is capable of that. Agreed. I agree with that. Let me me, me just say something real quick, Coach. I, I, I no, nobody's interrupting me. Damn it. No, uh, mute his mic no, because what I meant, what I meant was that nights like that happen. It's not an excuse, but what I'm saying is that may not be what this team is. We thought, I thought after the Wisconsin, oh, yeah. oh God, this is going to, this is what this team is. I'm just mean that, you know, this team is actually maybe more in the middle of those two things and maybe more yeah. towards the better than that. And and a lot of people were saying, oh, here we go. We're going to miss the tournament again. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, I, you know, I mean, that that's too much. Like it was never agreed. It's just th- that they have that in them, I guess. That's and and what I was. agree. And that's not except. No, nothing about Wisconsin was acceptable. And and those nights should not ever happen. But I I think that people overreacted to what to who this team might be. Because of that performance, you dumbass. Well, coach, <laughs> my bad. Play it again, <laughs> you dumbass. Okay, <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, we're nine and one with the only loss in the Cole Center with our point guard missing five games and playing only thirteen minutes in, in this one. I, I, you know, and you have two, two of the four non-conference games that were marked at the beginning of the season are in the W column. Yeah, uh, and now we root for UConn to to build up its net and all that kind of stuff, and Florida State to win the ACC and make us look good. Uh, nine and one, and, and lost to Colson. I'd have taken that at the beginning of the year, telling you know 
again, that we have to face this awful injury uh, bug and 11 scholarships players available tonight. So whether yeah. Wisconsin was where we're at or what, I don't know that we know really yet in, until we see another two or three games with all 11 scholarship players and, and some development of some, some other guys. So, yeah, no, I mean, we're an up and down team right now and we're going to be without Rob. I think the nice thing about tonight is it, it allays the worst fears coming out of the Wisconsin game. It puts those to bed. You know, it's still concerning that, you know, to see that the team was capable of that. But tonight, seeing them grind it out, fight it out, which was the, the, the most egregious thing that was missing from that Wisconsin game, that makes you feel better about it. And I think we all agree that if you can get Rob back, get him healthy, it absolutely makes a massive, massive difference uh, for this team. All right, there was one guy that I want to talk about. We still haven't talked about him. We have to talk about him. We'll do it in the next segment because we need to break here real quick. Uh, so that is coming. So coming up here on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls. That'll be an interesting conversation. And then we'll hit any other lingering storylines from this game. And then uh, we'll look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. That'll be a quick segment. And then it'll be time for last call. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, no matter how late they end, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can text IU to 66866 also to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866, or just text Ryan, and he will put you on the newsletter. Um, we'll connect. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, uh, Brian Tonsoni. We're breaking down Indiana's victory over UConn. Guys, one name that we have not mentioned very much and on the one hand, I understand why, but on the other hand, I think we should have spent some more time talking about already, uh, is Justin Smith. And look, we did talk about the dunk, and the dunk was a great play, but you know, I, I think, and I'm going to let you guys make your game ball choices first, but I think despite his numbers not jumping off the stat sheet, he deserves some consideration because he did play 36 minutes, he had three steals, he was a, you know, a really, really active, uh, disruptive defender tonight. Three assists, four rebounds, had eight points. But again, it wasn't the numbers. I thought after a little bit of a slow start, you know, Justin was the rest of the team, the rest of the lineups kind of orbited around Justin. And he played really solid defense, was a, you know, a calming presence. You know, he had that one really bad pass late that I think almost gave everybody a heart attack. So and the that, breakaway. That wasn't good. That play notwithstanding, I thought he was rock solid tonight. And you know, so playing that many minutes in a tough game like this, I and mean, I thought he had a, you know some tough rebounds. I was really impressed, you know, with what he did. Again, not not a game where the stats jump out at you, but possession to possession, he really showed, especially on the defensive end, his value. So I'll just kind of throw that out. And then there was a time, there was a time too during a dead ball that he was gathering the team too, and and so there was some vocal leadership from him as an upperclassman. I thought that was good to see, and and the fact that he didn't let uh, a bad. Or, or lack of offense. I don't know that he played really bad offensively, but a lack of offense really hurt him on the other end. I, I think that's a sign of maturity for Justin. That's and he found a way to get to the line. You know, he got four free throws. He didn't, 
you know, he had three turnovers, and I think there are, you know, maybe a few things that he forced, but given the amount of minutes that he played and the style of game that he that it was, I thought he was a grinder tonight. And that's not something that we've always seen from him the first couple of, of seasons. And that I think that's no. an important sign of growth from him. The difference tonight was that he wasn't great offensively, but he made plays defensively. And that is yep. usually not what we see out of him. And sometimes Devontae, too. It's the same thing where if they're not playing well offensively, you could just mail in the defense. And and that was not Justin Smith tonight. I thought he I thought he competed really hard. There was one fast break where he got caught ball watching and they threw an alley oop and it was just, oh come on. And it tied the game. And it was just it was just one of those where you're just yeah. like, come on, man, you gotta you gotta find the guy on the backside. Um, but instead he he competed the rest of the night. I will give you that. I, I think that he was um, he was really tough. And I thought, you know, a guy who competed also that we've, we've kind of brushed up on was Al Durham in the second half. I thought he really competed. Yep. He made some really clutch finishes at the hoop that, again, if you don't get those, you don't win the game. And then, you know, he got that flagrant foul and he was minus 10 on the night because he was in there for the worst parts of the first half. But I thought late he closed really well. And, and I thought his defense picked up in the second half like we haven't seen this season. I thought he was really aggressive, yeah. and he was bringing the ball up better. much of the game. And we've talked about this. I think that – and we've talked about this in our tech, in our group text. I think if you get Finnessy in there and you take the ball out of Al, Al Durham as the guy who brings it up, you take the ball out of his hands as the guy who brings it up, I think the rest of his game gets better because that's pressure and that's – you know. He's, he's having to initiate the offense as opposed to run off a screen and get open or or cut or, or do something else. And and I think that just taking that pressure off of him and letting Finnessy guard the ball handler and letting Al play off the, you know, guard off the ball, I think that's going to change his whole calculus as a, as, as a defender and as an offensive player. And so I think he's going to benefit as much from Finnessy coming back as anybody. Yeah, there, there's a huge cascading impact of Rob Finnessy coming back on both on both sides of the ball. I mean, you can move just, a good scorer, no whoever whoever it is. You can move a good player to the bench to be your first guy off the bench and, and a reliable scorer if it's Devontae or or Durham or whoever. I mean, there's there's a there's a big effect to him coming back because he's the guy that everything orbits around on both sides of the ball. You need to have him, and and so hopefully he's able to get healthy and stay healthy. Yep. All right, uh, Coach, with all that said, it is time for you to make your game ball choice. I got one. It, it probably is going to go to Coach Roberts. He had to have some something to do with that. I have a mad crush <laughs> on Coach Roberts. But I don't know about Coach Roberts, but Bruiser Flint was in it tonight. Do you see he how was. often he was, was getting up? Scout, probably. Yeah. East Coast guy, man. Yeah. He was in charge of the scout on this one, probably. That, when you see an assistant getting overly active on the bench, <laughs> they, they're in charge of the scout. And they, don't, they don't want to go back into film room and have missed assignments. And they're, they're a little more animated. Uh, I know I am. I have Saturday scout for us. Uh, and I should be watching film instead of talking to all you guys. But um, <laughs> so if Saturday doesn't go well, I'm blaming. Nah, it'll go well. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the game – this is going to be odd for me. I'm giving the game ball to Fennessey. Um, the free throws and and settled the team down both in the first half and the second half. Hard to do for a guy who only played, what, 13 minutes and scored six points, but no one was in double digits. Um, but they were such impactful minutes. Yes. I mean, I, I, and maybe they really were. Maybe I'm just glad he's back and happy to see him game ball. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I am happy he's back and glad to see him. So – that's where that's where I'm going. I mean, all right. That I, I, I endorse that choice. 
Ryan, Who are you picking Jerry? I don't know. I haven't, you, picked, oh, I haven't, I haven't chosen yet. I'm agreeing with coach. I'm going with Rob Finnessy. His first play on the floor grabs a rebound, goes down and pins a, a layup right up against the glass. And in uh, after everybody's shot had been getting blocked at that point, he puts it right in the hoop and, and says, I'm this little guy playing point guard and I can score around this guy. Why can't you? And then the second half, he just had so many key plays, especially when he came in late, made that crazy rebound. That was your, you know, banner moment. I mean, he, he's just, he makes winning plays all the time. And yeah. it's, he's, he's the guy you have to have on the floor. He, he, again, you're right. He didn't play many minutes. He played 13, but he was the most impactful player on the floor. Even the announcers were talking about it. This, this, he makes the team so much better. And, and he did tonight. And I, I mean, there were guys in there grinding for 30 minutes in this one, but I got to give it to, to Rob Finnessy because his minutes were so impactful and changed the game. And those, those late plays you know, to make all four free throws in the second half and, and to, um, or to make all four, four of his free throws and then to make, get those rebounds in the second half and just make some smart plays defensively. And you just, you never worry about him being on the floor. And, and tonight was a night where you worried about a lot of guys on the floor and he's not one of them. And, and so I, I gotta, I gotta, again, give it to fantasy. I mean, I submit that the plays that he made as soon as he came off the bench in the first half were just as big as the ones at the end. Huge, that game huge. was, I mean, that it looked like that game was going to get out of hand. drifting out of control. Yeah, yeah and, and he just, he came right in and settled down. I think I tweeted at one point that my heart rate normalized as soon as Rob, you know, came in the game. It's like, okay, things are okay now. You know, we're, we're going to be okay. So I would give mine to Finnessy as well. Um, I am just going to give an honorable mention uh, game ball, certainly to Justin Smith for the time he was out there. And, you know, I'm going to give a half game ball to Al and Joey because I both of them I thought were a big part of the reason why things struggled early. But I'm really impressed with both of those guys coming back with the mental toughness in the second half to really contribute down the stretch. You know, everybody's calling for them not to start, and they're being vilified in group text messages, and uh, and they came back, and, and I thought really played well. So that was nice to see. You know, I mean, look, this is... This is absolutely one of those games that, and I guess it's it's true for most games, I suppose. But you know, your feeling at the end is just colored by the win or the loss. You know, I mean, it's it's just one of those. And like I said, it's always going to be like that. But you know, I, I think if we had lost the game, we'd be focusing a lot more on their play in the first half where they really struggled. But because we won, and because those plays led to winning, um, you know, I, I think it, it's it's they they deserve half some a, kudos for that. Half a game ball doesn't bounce though, Jared. No, it doesn't. <laughs> No, it doesn't. And that's a, why they got to get you better. Have a complete they, game ball. I know. That's why they got to get better. Be an impact. I it's mean, not, it's I, not I'm a complete happy game that, ball. Uh, Joey and and Al rebound. You know, rebounded in the second half. But uh, to get the game ball, uh, you need you need to. Here's what I'll say. Yes, and we need those guys to be good for forty minutes early. to beat better Here's teams. Here's what I'll say. Let's hope they build off the second half. Yes, and take that moving forward because they're going to need to. I mean, we we talked about it after the Wisconsin loss. It's not about the loss. You know, you're bummed about the loss, but it's how you respond to it. How do you recover? How do you take that, the information from that loss and spit it out? Indiana went on the road to New York City and won from that Wisconsin loss. They learned something and they went out and put some things into yeah. practice, played much better defense. And and even, even when things were going badly tonight, they were playing better defense. Again, if you played poorly in this game, particularly offensively, as a lot of these guys did, how do you respond to that? How do you move forward? How do you fix things? If you got beat by your guy a lot defensively, how do you move forward? How do you respond and how do you improve? 
Hopefully we see this team continue. We don't what we don't want to see is a bunch of peaks and valleys. You want to see a steady development. They're going to be blips, they're going to be bumps in the road, there's going to be gullies, but you don't want to see, you know, a Grand Canyon and then a Mount Everest. You want to see steady growth throughout the season. That that and that right there, the 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 steadiness, that's why Rob is so important. Because Agreed. Al and Devante are so up and down, even within games. And that's, that is why Rob is just such an essential part of this team. Changes the chemistry, man. Totally Changes does. Completely. Um, we so, haven't mentioned uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I thought, wasn't great tonight when the stats weren't it, great. It was, but I thought he did a, a lot of things and was responsible there at the end of the first half with that run of, of yep. finding a way to score and had uh, a tough time scoring in the second half. But I, I thought he was very solid tonight as well. It was he was a tough, tough assignment. Led the tough team assignment offensively for him too. Yeah. A tough assignment offensively for him facing that front line. Nobody was having an easy time with that. Um, but I thought he battled all night and I thought defensively he really picked it up when they had to put him on Carlton because Brunk and Davis weren't getting it done. That was his biggest contribution to the night. Carlton stopped scoring immediately. Mm-hmm. And whether that was because Trace was playing amazing defense or whether UConn went away with it, doesn't matter. He gets credit for it because Carlton didn't have easy layups, you know, and he was getting easy layups before that. Yeah, he's just, you know, it seems weird to say, given the fact that the alternatives are experienced guys like Brunk and Davis, but Trace is just such a more solid, consistent defender than those guys because Brunk makes really questionable decisions <laughs> with, you know, where he's going. And Duran, God love him, but he's just, you know, he can't move. Physically right now. doesn't. Yeah, have he's the just, he's, he looks like a shell of himself, and it's kind of sad to see. I out mean, there. if you were playing Indiana. The first thing you do is take whoever Brunk or Davis is guarding and bring them 20 feet from the basket and set a screen. It's the yeah. first thing you do every single time. We were talking about how that's the first thing you do with Demizi early in the year. And Demizi has worked on moving his feet and gotten better and become, you know, smarter defensively. Those other guys still need to work on it. They really and do. Hurley, Hurley did a good job tonight of getting taken advantage of that. And yep. running stuff to to go at Joey and and Duran, uh, and then they switched and put Ray Thompson in there. What was the first thing he did off a ball screen? Boom. Deflection, Cre- deflection, Oops. created a steal. Like I mean, it's we, to we say could, deflection. Yeah, I know you did. You're really uh, triggering Phil. Jay Horry with how often you're mentioning Ray Thompson here for his four I'm, minutes. I'm sorry, guys. He he needs to be on the floor more. I've been saying it for a while now. I agree. I, no, I Thank agree. You. I agree with you. Something I do agree has with to you. be going on behind the scenes. He's not picking up practice. He's not executing. Maybe, there yeah. To, to to get that trust level to go in more than what he is. But when we see him, I, I just like his athleticism, his rebounding um, effort. But you know, again, something has to be sure. No, I agree. There, there's obviously there's something going not on. Get in as much as he, like he had two fouls in the first half quickly, and that's probably why he's had set down real quick. But yeah. He's a guy who can play, man. He really can. Uh, okay, so coming up, we have Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. I think we'll get Andy on for that, so we'll be able to get his thoughts on this game and just kind of decompress and kind of reflect on these, you know, these last two, three games, kind of see where Indiana's at for the big showdown on Friday at home against Nebraska. Now, look, on the one hand, I was very flippant with what I said about Nebraska leading into the last break. This would be a very quick segment, obviously uh, a... Uh, an allusion to how poor Nebraska has been, but they won their most recent visit to Assembly Hall, which I think we all remember, one of Indiana's worst performances uh, last year, but much different Nebraska team. Coach, do you want to give like a quick description of Nebraska and what, if anything, there is to fear in this? I mean, legitimately, like this should be a game Indiana should win by 15 to 20 points, right? And if not, like something probably went wrong. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Nebraska play yet. I I know they have all new guys um coming in. I think 
you know, they're, they're adapting to new coaching style. And, but if you're in the big 10, you can win some games and, and, and you've got to, you got to show up and play and, and boy, the, the, the mental approach for Indiana is going to be huge. And, and when they practice here the next few days, get back from New York, get into the right, right mindset. Um, because you know, you, you don't, I mean, Duke got beat by Stephen F. Austin at home. Uh, Anybody Kentucky can lose by any Evansville. Night. You yeah. can lose at any night. Uh, so, you know, do what Indiana does. Again, I, I wish I had more of a scouting report. You know, that's Andy's uh, business. He didn't get that emailed to me on time. Um, yeah, bottoms. <laughs> but um, I think w- when you have a team that's at the bottom of the conference like that, you want to come out and get off to a good start. And Indiana has not been uh, a team to do that. You don't want to keep a team like that in – the game uh, for very long. You want to make a statement and then keep pushing out the lead inc- incrementally um, on Nebraska. Bury them early. Well, they are 169th in offensive efficiency and 161st in defensive efficiency. Well, so at least not they're very good. And they are not much of a three-point shooting team. And typically when Indiana you know, has kind of struggled or there's been an upset, now they have one guy who's hitting 53% of his threes, Thor Bjornsson. So got to make sure that we get to him. But... You know, I guarantee they, you there'll be one long three or a banked in three. Happens just every seems game. Like it just seems to happen every game. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com when you use the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want to get a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you will find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20. For 20% off your entire order. All right, gentlemen, it is time for last call here as we have now passed midnight in the central time zone. So it's about time for dinner for Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so it actually is. Dinner is sitting on the stove right now. Oh, good. Well, you're certainly going last for last call. So, coach, All we'll right. let you go first. <laughs> yeah, t- tonight was not pretty basketball. And, there, and there's a lot of things that Indiana needs to do better offensively and defensively. And the only positive to take away is that they grinded out a win when things weren't going exactly uh, probably as planned. And, and I still will preach patience. Uh, Ten games in, you got 21 games left, the Big Ten season. Uh, sometimes we get too analytical on is this what Indiana is based on this last game, based on this last game. Uh, at some point, I think the true Indiana team will show and, and be consistent. And if that's good enough to win, you know, games and get to the tournament. So be it. If not, we'll, we'll let you know that this team is not, but um, I, I will, I will take nine and one, even with an ugly win, uh, especially coming off a, a loss. This game could have gone the other way and we would really be feeling a lot worse uh, right now about Indiana. So uh, again, whether you're half full or glass half full, half empty type of person, I'm, I'm going to choose to be positive nine and one without a full roster. Uh, we got Rob coming back, which will help all the way down the roster I think that's uh, that's pretty positive, and and you know, it, there are teams that are in in much worse shape than than the Indiana Hoosiers. Ryan, last call. Uh, look, after what happened on Saturday, this is a big win for Indiana to come off the mat, go to MSG, get the experience of playing in a in a foreign building. That hey, if you make the tournament, you're gonna have to play places like this um, to get that experience to grind through it. I think that, you know, if they just run away with a 20 point win, we all would have felt good about it, but we learned something about this team and how they would fight and, and how they really were in a tough spot. UConn came back on them after they, they got down, they got down, then had a huge run. UConn came back on them and they could have just wilted at that point And they didn't, they fought back. They, you know, 
team leaders stepped up. Justin Smith, Al Durham, Joey Brunk. Those guys all stepped up and made big plays in the second half. Uh, Rob Finnessy, obviously showing up, getting our game ball because he earned it. You know, not just for being healthy. We gave it to him because he earned it and, and fighting back and, and, you know, making things happen and making plays that win games late. Uh, I thought that was just huge. And um, it's, a, it's a win everybody associated with Indiana can be really stoked about as, as they move forward. Because after Saturday, I, I mean, I know they were favored to win this game. It was tight. It was like one point at tip off. But, you know, I'm not sure anybody was really confident that they were going to come out and be able to win ostensibly a road game uh, after what happened at Wisconsin. They did. So credit to them for turning it around. Hopefully they can build off of it. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I would have enjoyed the lessons of a 20 point win more. Than the oh, we all would have, win. but, but you, you, your point is well taken. I mean, you know, I think we were all some worry set in, some concern set in that I don't think any of us were quite prepared for based on how they played at Wisconsin. But now, you know, Coach, it's a good point. I mean, you got to kind of look at these things in totality and not be prisoners of the moment. We are prisoners of the moment to a certain extent on a post-game show because we're reacting to what we just saw. But with each new game, with all these new data points, now we learn more about this team. And now as you look over these last three games against, you know, major competition, Florida State, Wisconsin, and UConn, you know, in 80 of those minutes, Indiana really was grinding and playing good defense and playing tough and playing together. And then you obviously have the one bad game in the middle. So it's going to take more time. We're going to need to see more games to, to really, truly understand who this team is. But what was so encouraging to me about tonight, what I'm going to take moving forward is it really showed Rob Finnessy's importance. And so I think you know, you you look at maybe the the struggles that Indiana's had at different times this year, the bad performance against Wisconsin, and you look at it and you say, if if Rob can get healthy, this team has a, a a lot of improvement they can make, and I feel good about that. And even just being able to go and win this game with him only playing 13 minutes, I think that's a good sign. So, you know, are there things to to be a little bit concerned about and to be worried about? Sure. You know, this is still a flawed Indiana team with a roster that's a bit of a house of cards, and some things need to go right health wise moving forward. But to be in that position, to have gotten two of these last three victories, you know, and, and to be doing what you need to be doing in the non-conference to set yourself up to make the NCAA tournament. Overall, things are in a really good position uh, so far this season. And now we'll just have to, to keep watching and hoping that Indiana can keep the momentum going against Nebraska and then, you know, go try to get, you know, at least one or two more wins here in the non-conference after that. But a good, a good win, a tough win, a tired win. <laughs> But, you know, wins are wins and, uh, you know, we'll take any win away from home that we can get. And that's uh, really the bottom line uh, on a night like tonight. All right. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to our longtime listener, Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I think this is the most tired that I've ever been during a show. Wimp. I don't know why I'm so tired. Hey, any ideas on what I'm gonna what I'm supposed to teach tomorrow? <laughs> I, I have not even thought about it yet. Call in sick, coach. You've earned one. I missed today. 
I had oh. a half day. I had a half day uh, conference, and then I went into the basketball office and watched film the other half a day. Hey, I have a question because I haven't really been paying attention. Uh, are we in on any other recruits, or is this going to be it? Do we think with this class? You talk, oh, you talking about for this class? Yeah, I haven't heard much other than maybe. Yeah. No, it's been all about guy here. Yeah, there. been all about Nick. I mean, I think they're obviously grad transfers <clears throat> and you know other guys who transfer, but no no like high school seniors have popped yeah. up on the radar screen because i know it's kind of a weaker class this year uh nationally so i was wondering if they were going to bank one because they have they they do have an open two. one still they have one two open two. so they've one, got three coming in maybe it's one maybe it's one maybe it's one and i think they had one open yeah i think yeah. they have three coming in one open um yeah we'll Get see it, coaching changes can shake guards. guys loose too Get guards well we got two leal and galloway are basically guards just get more 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 guards. We need a point guard. That's the thing. Yes. So that's what they're really throwing all their weight at Lander, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. He likes Michigan. Well, Louisville, so, I think, is the main competition there. Oh, really? I read mm-hmm. Michigan was was pretty tight with him. I think he like grew up a I Michigan mean, fan, and uh, he took a visit there. So I mean, they're involved. Oh, that but, might be why somebody told me but, that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, right, we won. Hallelujah. It's a great win. I'm happy and, with it. Great and win. it's two of the four non-conference big big calendar, know. red calendar days. And, you know, you, you win the, at Notre Dame and, and beat Arkansas, and you've done what you all you can do with the schedule. I know. And Notre Dame and Arkansas. This, this, was, this was a really people. important game. I mean, this it was, really was. Well, just, it's a neutral win. It's away from home, too, and that committee is going to look at that, you know, yeah. and then you just hope – you want UConn to win the American Conference now. Just go go UConn. Yeah. Notre Dame is beatable. So is Arkansas. I mean, those are both yep. games you can win. All right. I got to go. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. For real. Go to bed. Time. Everybody, yeah. go to bed. It's too late. Let Yo, this is Sneak Deal Double Dizzle. All right. See you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's too late for that. <laughs> see you, everybody. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment, but Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.